a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, we really appreciate the folks at Fly Racing for coming on board, and whether it's uh, the F2 Carbon Helmet or the 2017 Kinetic Mesh uh, gear that just launched, whatever it is, flyracing.com's got it. Millsaps and Baggett and Trey Kennard and Weston Pike and many others depend on Fly each and every week, the Antinap brothers. And, uh, yeah, we thank, uh, thank those guys for coming on board, flyracing.com. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis, as usual. The announcement has dropped. We, we learned a, f- a few weeks ago that uh, USGP was coming back to America. It was going to be in a southeast track. We had heard rumors it was this place, but we didn't know for sure. And now we do. And uh, so USGP will be at Gainesville. Gatorback, the historic Gatorback circuit is back, and uh, it's the week after the last uh, MX Sports Lucas Oil MA Pro National. And to talk about that decision and more and some Gainesville memories and everything else is uh, RacerX online editor-in-chief and magazine, of course, uh, Davey Coombs. What's up, Davey? How are you? Good. Just uh, getting ready to watch this uh, Supercross stretch run and then uh, take it outside. And like you said, we've got this project uh at the end of summer that uh, everyone here is very excited about. And um, it's not like we needed more work, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when you're working at the motocross races or you just get to play motocross all week long, it's a pretty good gig. So we're, we're, we're all excited about it. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I get, I get, oh, I don't want to travel. I, I'm, I, I got, I got to get on another plane. I got, and then I sometimes sit back DC and I go, my job could be a hell of a lot worse. A hell of a lot worse. Than, I took a, you know, I took. A, I went out to High Point for um, on Easter Sunday, and we had a, a local Loretta Lynn area qualifier. And I hadn't ridden a dirt bike yet this year, and wasn't going to jump out there and embarrass myself. But I did have my Ducati Scrambler, and I took off on it, and I rode for about three hours, and I went all through the parts of West Virginia where I grew up, mm-hmm. and where my dad was from, and my aunt Beulah, who um, we had a memorial service for. Uh, on on Saturday, and I bring all that up because in riding through these towns, I realized how damn lucky my brother and sister and I are that that, that my dad took us out of there and took us to the motocross races because I could be mining coal, <laughs> right. and that is a really difficult job but, and, and a nasty, dangerous job. So, yeah, getting up and going to the races one more time this year to. You know, pounding steaks and 
shake hands and kiss mm-hmm. babies or whatever it is that <laughs> needs yeah. done, uh, I'm I'm up for it, man. Sign me up. Um, so, like I said, we 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 heard about this USGP, and we know that MX Sports and Ustream are working together to help make this USGP more successful than they were when they were coming to over and doing them at Glen Helen uh, a few years ago. And it's a welcome sight to see, and it's interesting now. The Gatorback track, though, that kind of came to me out of nowhere. Now, I know, or I believe, uh, MX Sports has run some uh, Loretta Lynn's qualifiers or regionals through there. So there is some affiliation there. But why Gatorback and whose idea was it? And, yeah, like it's back. And, and, and so talk about that a little bit. Well, first of all, you know, let me, let me begin by saying Gatorback was never gone. Mm-hmm. But back in 1997... Um, the owner was a gentleman named Bill West, the, the legendary Bill West, who founded the Florida Winterham Series, did the Daytona Supercross. Uh, he was my Goodwins partner on uh, doing races all over the Southeast. And, and Bill was, you know, one of the most powerful people in the industry in the 90s. And um, he was the promoter of Gainesville, and nobody liked the Gatorback National when it was, which was right before Daytona Bike Week. Mm-hmm. Now, as a fan, I loved it. As a kid going to college at WVU, I loved it because I could drive down there for spring break. I could ride all week, race, and uh, be back in school. Uh, but the teams hated it. Mm-hmm. Jody uh, called it the Orphan National because it would take place by itself you know, and so everyone was in the middle of Supercross, and suddenly you had to drop everything, get your outdoor bike ready, go race Gainesville, and yeah. then spend two more months racing Supercross before you did Hangtown. Yep. So Bill decided to take the opportunity when it presented itself and sell the round basically to himself <laughs> and turn it into the Tampa Supercross. Oh, okay. And and so it never really went away, but then when it was time to bring it back, Bill kind of had moved on, and, and Supercross didn't want to bring it back. And so the next new national, I believe, ended up at uh, Freestone mm-hmm. in Texas or Colorado. And, you know, it just Florida just kind of – it, everyone just figured it'd be too hot. It, it wasn't, you know, right or, or something. Let me ask you this: the and you you probably remember this, and I don't because as a kid, it was always Canesville was round one. Now the nationals and Supercross were much more random back in the day. It wasn't all Supercross, and then did Gainesville always become the Orphan National because of weather? It could never be moved back into the it, series. It was it was, a, it was a bigger case of the 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 promoter. Bill, Bill yeah. knew that his best chance was to affiliate it with Bike Week. Ah, okay. okay. And Bike Week in Daytona takes place the you know the yeah. first part of March. So you would do his Atlanta Supercross, then you do his Gainesville National, and then you do Daytona, and then you might go off for a little while, and then mm-hmm. you come back later and do. Oh man, there's been a St. Pete Supercross, a Tampa Supercross, a yep. Miami Supercross, Orlando Supercross, yep. Jacksonville. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of races in Florida, but 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 because the Nationals were sort of moved back to start uh, two weeks after the conclusion of Supercross, mm-hmm. and everyone agreed on that. From yeah, motocross, yeah. the Supercross, yep. the AMA. Uh, everyone liked it, and and so it was like, well, where where do you put Gainesville? 
And, and at that time, Bill sold the business, and a gentleman named Wynn Kern picked it up of Unlimited Sports MX. And PE. And PE. Performance engineer. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he, he's, a, he's a fantastic promoter. And, and he decided to, 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 you know, even though he thought he'd probably never get a national, mm-hmm. uh, simply because of the time frame and it being locked in the summer when it's, it's tough to be outside in Florida uh, unless you're on the beach. Um, he really went to work on the facility, and and now the mini O's or the the Thor Winter Olympics or whatever you call it, yeah. Thanksgiving, is one of the biggest motocross races in the world, and and it's part of the American Motocross Championship. And we became friends with Win over the years, and worked with him on a lot of Loretta Lynn's things and whatnot. So we know it's there. Yeah, we know that that, that there's a there's a real chance there. We also considered places like Southwick mm-hmm. uh, an intimate setting. It's on the East Coast. But the problem with Southwick for that type of event would be it's Labor Day weekend, but you're not allowed to camp at Southwick. Okay. So, yep. you know, the the National works really well at Southwick because it's a one-day event, and they have their amateur day the week before and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That really wasn't in the cards for this. Um, we talked about... Um, Maybe the place in Jacksonville, uh, WWR, which looks like an amazing racetrack. But, but, but Wynn has been down there doing the work. And so when Giuseppe Luongo and I started really talking in earnest mm-hmm. after last year's Motocross of Nations, um, we just started you know, thinking about ideas. And he basically left it with us okay. and said, said, you know, if you find a place, I prefer to be on the East Coast because everyone was planning on going to Charlotte, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it would just be easier. And he even said, you know, maybe wait a year. And we didn't think that was a good idea because Charlotte was a, a moderately successful race. It just was really expensive to build a one-and-done racetrack. And that was the reason we didn't go to Charlotte with the National, because we knew from our experiences at Glen Helen, or not Glen Helen, at um, Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake, yep. our experiences at Lake Elsinore, that the, the, the startup cost for a new track, and then you're going to wipe that track out. Uh, we didn't want to do that. And I think that Giuseppe was also kind of over uh, the, the, the prefab track. It, it works just in the perfect place, like the Austin TT. Yeah, it, you know, I've been to some that are good and some aren't good. Like, I don't they, know they, why they always, I don't know why they sometimes work. Uh, you, they, you know, you were you were Tim Ferry's wrench in Zolder, yes, Belgium, yes. 2006. Terrible day. Oh, sorry, 2003. Yeah, it was not a good event. It no. was it was it was it was an imperfect fit. But then in 2009, when the designations went to Brescia, Italy, that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That was one of the coolest events I've ever been to, and I believe that that was the most well attended Supercross. That Ustream has ever, or Supercross, yeah, the most well attended yeah. motocross of nations that Ustream ever did. And, uh, you know, so sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. My family, our experience, eh, yeah. we didn't think it was a good idea. So right. we started really talking about it with, with Wynn. And Wynn was interested. And then uh, we invited David Luongo and Daniel Rizzi. So uh, hold on a second, though. Back up. So when you okay. call Giuseppe or David Luongo and say, remember Gatorback? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Giuseppe certainly did. But David okay. spent 10 years playing 
sure. professional soccer. Right. He was not really – he'd never been there. Danielle right. had never been there. Uh, they had no idea that that's a full-blown motocross track with massive amounts of parking and even another mm. track coming on online um, because of some of the land they've cleared and whatnot. So when they showed up and saw that there were – Hills and that it was yeah. a real motocross track, yeah, yeah, and, and a very nice facility. Uh, we could have, well, we did. We shook hands right there on the spot and said we found our yeah. place. They also like the idea that it's very close to uh, Orlando International Airport. Uh, it's very close to where all the riders would be at that point when Lucas Oil Pro Motocross is mm-hmm. over. And and they like the fact that that there's great pedigree uh, to that track that it ran on the AMA National Circuit from 1983 to 1997. And yep. as we speak, Eric Johnson's already working on sort of a history of Gatorback, and some real significant things happen there, like John Michel Bale's first win. Uh, both Jeremy McGrath and Ricky Carmichael won their first nationals there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there. There was just some real epic battles. The, you know, Doug Henry rode the last uh, Gatorback national on that white four-stroke, and if I remember yeah. correctly, he got like seventh or something. Uh, no, no, he he stalled it and couldn't start it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so okay, so it's yeah, it's always been there then. It's always like we well, I mean we I know from uh you know uh, my buddy Tim Ferry, buddies with Wynn, and I he's always told me, "Hey, this place is so much better than what it was when there was a national there. I was there in 97, the last one. My rider got 20th in the first moto, yeah. one solo well, point." The, the, and, and, and Tim Tim's right because because Wynn put that TLC into it. And, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes when you you kind of get to the end of your run and you know things are going to change, things don't have the same sure. attention to detail that they may have once had. And, and I'll give you an example. I mean, what the heck happened to Ponca City and the yeah. NMA World Mini GP? Um, or even you know, Southwick. Even Southwick at the end. They, they kind of, yeah, you, well, there, you there, there, there's, there's reasons for those things, and sometimes you need a boost. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need a change. Sometimes you need a shot in the arm. And, and when was that guy as far as Gatorback goes? Yeah. But, but that wasn't going to bring a national back. And... Uh, but the timing of this event, Labor Day, was intriguing for a lot of reasons. Uh, number one, it does start to cool down by then. Number two, we looked at the football schedule, and the University of Florida is playing the University of Michigan at an off-site. Oh, meaning, okay. You know, yep. Atlanta, Georgia, or somewhere yeah, yeah. else. So the town would have all the students there, and all the hotels would be empty. Right. And, you know, those are things you have to look at. Um, you know, with the Motocross of Nations returning next year, that's one of the things we're looking at. We need to get some football schedules and see, you know, yeah. what areas are going to be available for the 40, you know, 30 or 40,000 people that I think will show up for this. Yep. So anyway, um, add it all up, and we, we thought that the, the best chance for success the easiest access for the top riders, the the easiest switch from Charlotte to someplace else, and the most authentic, you know, motocross mm-hmm. track that could that could do the job, and the most, you know, and, and a promoter who could do the job. And there's a lot of good promoters out there that threw the hat in the ring, believe me. Mm-hmm. But we 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 thought that this was the place to go, and 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 give it a shot and see how see how it turns out. 
Now, from what I understand, in talking to, to Timmy and some other people, there is that other track there. There's a whole other moto track. It's that, called Diamondback 2. Okay. And, and, and what that track is going to be like, and anyone my age who's listening to this will know what I'm talking about, Cocoa Beach. Oh, okay. Uh, it's yep. real soft sand. They're piling it up. They're going to have those mounds in it like Gator or like uh, Diamondback did. Diamondback was this notorious track over right by Scott Taylor's house in uh, Ocala. Or, um, um, where was Kelly Slater from? I don't oh, know. I don't know Cocoa where it Beach. was. Co- oh, Co- Cocoa, Beach. Cocoa Beach, Florida. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was, it was as close to the, the ocean as you could get and not be on the beach. And it was the roughest track America has ever known. I mean, I hear people talk about Keithsburg, Illinois. Like yep. we, I was on one time, and a gentleman called in. Yeah, yeah, I remember um, that. Right. I've, yeah. I've, I've, you know, Southwick, whenever it was really soft. Uh, uh, St. Petersburg, mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. But I rode all those tracks, and I can tell you that... Uh, no, I didn't ride Keithsburg. I take that back. But I rode... Um, Baja Acres when it was a, a lot of sand, yeah. and I can tell you that Diamondback was the worst ever, and only Lomo have, have I been to that, that seemed worse, although I didn't ride Lomo. But anyway, uh, Wynn is building and a replica to that old track to have two tracks oh, okay. going. So right. it's going to be pretty cool. And he's already got the Supercross track, too. Yep, of course. Um, it's an amateur Supercross track, uh, very tame by, we'll say, Anaheim standards. Uh, and it should be because it, you know, the Minios has a, a great wide variety of yeah. skills and, and talent. Um, so we should look for the USGP track, of course, is a long way away, and Ustream uh, ultimately has the final say over the racetrack. But we should look at it not to include this new track, but be really close to the old national track? I, I, it's going to be on the permanent track. Okay. It's not going to be on the new track. Okay. Uh, they might flip the start, and by that I mean you know the the, the yeah. structure and the, the the way the facility sits. Um, they thought that they might do that, and and Wynn had been thinking about doing something anyway. Cause you go down the hill, the, so you go down they, the hill. Or no, you you you, would, you turn right. You never went down the hill. You went away from the hill. You did a sweeper, and then you did a chicane. And no, then I know, but you it. said turn it around, so I'm like, huh? Like, okay. Yeah, but no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I meant move the starting gate up to where the first turn is. Ah, okay, and, and then just come it, in. Right, yeah, the yeah. other direction. Right, that, right. That's one of the things they're talking about, or maybe, maybe you know, doing like we did at High Point and turning it, uh, you know, perpendicular to where it was, uh-huh. more or less, and, and running out across the top of the hill and dropping one, in. One thing about the GPs, and I tell, and I tell uh, Adam Wheeler this, and I've told Jeff Meyer this, and I've written it a hundred times, these guys, they, they favor the inside gate so much that they, right from qualifying, you got to be on it. And then everybody, the, the number one qualifier, and this is unlike a Lucas Oil, almost, well, the only Lucas Oil pro national track that is like this is Bud's Creek because it held the motocross the nations. The number one qualifier should not just go first gate, second gate, third gate. I, I don't understand why they do this, but they love it that way. And if you have a good qualifying, you have a good gate pick, and then so on and so forth. I wish yeah. it would be like, hey, like at some nationals, the hot spot is by the box. Other well, times, you, you know, know, they love it that way. If so. anyone watched the Italian GP this weekend from Marco de Trento, mm-hmm. Trentino, I was there a couple years ago. That's the place where RV you know, had yeah. its notorious loop out. And that first turn is not one of the ones where you would take that inside gate no. like you would at Bud's Creek. You would, you, you know, it really threw a wrench in the works. And when Caroli got the whole shot in the first moto, it was kind of all over but the shouting. 
But in the second moto, Gazier pushed him out into yeah. that wall. Yeah. <laughs> Tony had to pass, what, 21 guys or whatever it was. Yeah, uh, it was, it was remarkable. Ride. But it was the only passing that was going on on the track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then again, they were just focused on him. And, uh, yeah, and it, it, you always want to have a close race, a safe race, a competitive race. And you want to do anything you can to, to enhance your chances for that. Uh, and we do have a difference of opinion there, you yeah. know, of, 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 of having a start that's, you know, where it's not a straight shot from the inside gate. Loretta Lynn is a perfect example. Yeah. We, we, we make you go out. If, you know, if you're on the inside gate, you're, you don't have a straight shot. Yep. You gotta, you gotta really get a good jump. So anyway, um, that's, that's, so we'll the next, see, we'll see how it works out. Uh, the next question that you're going to hear is, and you meant you touched on this in your answer, but I'm curious, there's no present openings that I know of for in the 12 round national series. And I don't imagine it going to 13 ever. So what is Gainesville looking like down the road for a national? I mean, how does that work? You're going to get that question. So I may as well ask yeah, you well, on this, this, you know, the, 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 the steel city had a GP yep. before it had a national. Carlsbad had a GP before it had a national. Unadilla had GPs long before mm-hmm. it had nationals. Yeah. Uh, it's a good. It's a good. I don't want to say test run because this race is a big deal, but it's a good opportunity to see what the local support mm-hmm. is like, to see if people would come out, and then you have that in your back pocket. Mm-hmm. If you if you if uh, a track goes away, if a track gets into some sort of situation, sort of like what happened to Southwick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's yeah, it's know, always it's a good thing. To yeah, have, and, yeah. And, and the good thing is, Gatorback's not going anywhere anyway because yeah. the Mini O's is such a big event. All of the other events they have there yep. are very successful. Uh, it certainly would be nice to see a national that far down in the southeast. And I get I get beat up for that all the time that somehow Tennessee is not in the southeast. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm from Canada, I, so it always seems far to me. Whatever. I, I know. <laughs> I know. But 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 you you the challenge is. Yeah, it'd be great to have a national in all these places, um, but how hot's it going to be in July? Oh God, yeah. And and you know the the state that's had the most nationals come and go, and a great deal of it is because of the weather. Is Texas? Mm-hmm. You know, you had San Antonio, Rio Bravo, uh, Lake Whitney, uh, of course Freestone. Uh, there's a bunch of others, and and just you know. For yeah. one reason or another, they just couldn't get a crowd there. You know, in the case of Freestone, it was plenty hot there a few times, but the bigger problem was that while it was in the middle of everything, it was close to nothing. Yeah. And, and it always struggled to draw a crowd, but yet they have a very successful and vibrant amateur motocross crew down there, and, and, and the Clayton Miller and his, his dad, Tony, are still doing really well. As we talked about, uh, I've been there a couple times. Once in 99, I worked for Ryan Morris at the Minios. Uh, I got screwed out of the Golden Wrench. Uh, he only lost two motos all week. I'm still bitter about it. And I was there in 97. Uh, like I said, my rider, Ty Birdwell, got 20th in the first moto of the year and then never scored another point, Davey, the rest of the Nationals. <laughs> One point at the first moto, and we never got another point the rest of the series. Anyways, um, so Gainesville's always been like as a moto fan that I am, and a you know guy that's read every magazine back in the day. Uh, Gatorback's cool; it's got history. It's got, like you said, you touched on uh, a number of real cool events that went on. Now, I I gave you my memories. What what do you remember about Gatorback? Like, what's your Gatorback memory for you? 
Well, I, I remember growing up and and um, the the mini O's at first were at a place called Chicken Farm. Okay. And it was a track called Home Assassin Springs. And uh, when Gatorback was came that a Bill online, West race still back then or no? The, oh, the, the, they're in their well past their fortieth year for the Minios. No, I know, but was Bill running it the whole time? Oh, yeah, the, okay. Bill, Bill was. Yep. Bill uh, did did run the track. I, I didn't know Bill very well back then, but the first time I went mm-hmm. was eighty three. Okay. Um, and and I was in high school and doing the Minios and all that stuff like that. And uh, um, yeah, it was it was a different kind of track, and people have to understand this. I don't care if you're talking about High Point Raceway, Gatorback Cycle Park in Florida, uh, Carlsbad. Um, when you have a lot of bikes on that track, every one of those bikes is going to take a little bit of the dirt home. Yeah, and and it adds up over the years. And and Gatorback is not as sandy as it was when I was growing up. But then again, the bikes are so much better. Uh, how would you even know? <laughs> you know? Because it's like, man, when I was your age, the snow was up to my waist. You know, and you know, you forget that you're yeah half again as tall. <laughs> you know, because everything everything evolves in your mind as well as you know. Yeah. So it became much more slick and and sort of sharp edged, just as, as Carlsbad did over the years, yeah. just as Saddleback did over the years. But Wynn has tried to really get some of the, the sand back on mm-hmm. it, and this construction project he's doing with the other track means that he can put as much sand on as he wants. And, and uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see what, what they decide to do collectively between uh, Ustream and Wynn. Um, I, I know that, that, that um, they're just happy to have a, a USGP and, and what, what we all believe will be a successful one. And, and I think Wynn's just happy to have a race of this magnitude. And we're all going to work our asses off to make sure it's, it's as successful as can be. But we're not going to rebuild Gatorback and put it back to what it was in 1997 <laughs> when Ricky rode. Because Ricky's not going to ride, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also, too, remember um, after in 97 when Ricky beat Lampson, everyone was like, oh, it's his home track. He's got so many laps here. Just wait. Yeah, and then he went to Lampson's home track and beat him. And then he went to <laughs> right. everyone's home track and beat him at game. Glenn Helen, and he just never stopped. <laughs> uh, no, I know. It was funny. Um, were you at Gainesville in 89, which is a real... I, one of my favorite races of all time, and, and I was riding it for... Um, I was riding for Dirt Rider okay. or Super Motocross at the yeah. time. And I called it the Gatorback Fire Drill because... You had all these things go wrong for Team Honda, uh, beginning with, uh, you know, uh, George Holland, who was the Honda factory rider mm-hmm. in the 125 class and defending champion, uh, didn't have a great day. But fortunately, someone that most people had never heard of, because he rode number 762, yeah. Mike Kidrowski, uh, went 4-1 yeah. and got the overall. Um, but the real story happened and the other three Honda box fans. And that's where Rick Johnson broke his wrist in practice. Yep. I did not see what happened. RJ says Storbeck landed on him. Storbeck mm-hmm. says RJ came over under him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ricky broke his wrist. Uh, and he, was, he was at the top of his game. 
the, oh, yeah, the, the man. He'd, yeah. he'd won the first five Supercrosses that year, and then he only lost Atlanta because he crashed. Yep. And everyone figured he was just going to crush everyone for years to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, instead, he breaks his navicular, and it turns out to be his Achilles heel. And he never <laughs> quite gets over it. Yeah. He does win a few races down the road, a couple 500 nationals, and he wins Gator back in, in 1990, uh, a straight-up yeah. battle with yep. uh, Just Stan. But, but in this case... It wasn't Stanton who stepped up uh, to win. It was John Michel Bale. And he was there in Mitch Payton's mini Astro van, um, you know, doing his best to be part of Team Honda. But Honda wanted him in Europe. But he wanted to come and show that he could race Supercross. And uh, that year, and no one knew who John Michel Bale was, but I knew him because, you know, yeah. we'd done the GP a few years earlier. Yeah. And we'd actually become friends by that point. I even learned French in college so I could talk to him a little bit. Um, anyway, he uh, goes out and just blows everyone's doors off in the first moto, and everyone's just looking at each yeah. other, scratching their heads. Number 111. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and he had, he had uh, he, I remember the announcer Going well, he's not. He, he's not in the program, but uh, he's number one, one, one. His name is Gene Michael Bailey, and he's from. Uh, we're gonna say Paris, France. <laughs> Everyone's just like, "What is going on?" And he has Starbuster on the back of his pants. Yeah, and he had Pat on the front of his helmet, and that threw everyone off. And I remember asking him, and he mm-hmm. said, "The only journalist in France who supports me is Patrick Boulan. <laughs> so I wear Pat in my helmet." So the other magazines, when they have to run my photo, it has to say Pat. That is such a JMB move. That is <laughs> such was, a. It was, it was, right. He didn't care. Uh, anyway, so the one thing I really remember, and 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 it, it it was kind of a funny thing, but they had switched the scoring at that point to where the Olympic scoring of like a three-one versus a two-two, uh, the better second moto finish would win. Why did it used to not be that way? How no, was it? It used to not be that way. Oh, but here's, here's the problem. That. Okay. No one ever really thought about what happens when you get a one, three, because a two, two in a local race beats a one, three. Uh-huh. And yeah. the local scores or whoever didn't take into account that, John Michel Bale went 45 points, three yeah, and 40. had 45 points, but Jeff Stanton went 2-2 and had 44 points. So they award the trophy to Jeff Stanton, <laughs> and Roger comes running up the hill towards the announcer's tower, waving and yelling, no, 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 you got it wrong, you got it wrong. And, 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 and it took like five minutes to sort it out and be like, oh, okay, and I'm standing there trying to explain to you know, Tony yeah. or Larry, whoever the announcer was at that time, <laughs> big, big Joe. And I'm like, no, no, he's, he's right. It, it's, he goes, but it's a two, two and second moto is better. And I'm like, no, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 45 to 44. And they're, they're not, they're just not getting it. And Ain't it, no Frenchman anyway. going to win this race. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and all these people were standing around just puzzled because everyone truly thought that Damon Bradshaw would win the 125 class. Yeah. And, and Rick Johnson would win the 250 class, but that didn't happen for either of them. No. And if you think about it, Kurdowski, I mean, he had had a good supercross, but Bradshaw beat him uh, yeah, well, in supercross. Kurdowski had only ridden right. four nationals the year before. He was totally unknown, but yeah. Honda came up with this B support program, and this is right before 
pro circuit happens. Mm-hmm. So the B team is number 971 Larry Ward and number 762 um, Mike Kudrowski. And they were good, but no <laughs> one gave them yeah. much much credit because you had George Holland and Guy Cooper who were actual Honda 125cc factory riders. And um, lo and behold, Larry Ward and, and uh, Mike Kudrowski went on to very long and distinguished careers. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now, valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Yeah, it was a, a real... Bizarre, and meanwhile, bizarre national that, that you know was almost a tipping point in 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 the old guard and the new guard because it wasn't long before Bale was the guy and Kurowski was the guy, and we moved into this new era. And Wardy, well, Stanton was still around, but he was still a newer guy. And so, when you look at it, it's a real tipping point in in, in motocross history a little bit. Yeah, and and, and I, I think more so in 1993 because now 
we have this kid who has done nothing outdoors, mm-hmm. but he's winning the Supercross series by a mile. Yeah. And he's a rookie, and it's Jeremy McGrath. He's 125 and, class. Which how yeah, often does that happen, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> I understand they're scratching their heads because they had no plan for him to ride a 250 outdoors. They yeah. were they were going to yeah. line up with. Um, uh, be, they still had Stanton, and uh, I think that I can't remember. That'd be it. Just Stanton because they had Henry, yeah. but he was 125s. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. So anyway, McGrath, yeah. McGrath is winning the Supercross championship, and then they they have to stick him on a 125 yeah. and send him to Gainesville, and and he like wasn't sure what to make of it because you know he hadn't ridden a 125 since the previous year, and um, yeah. he goes out and has a solid day and goes two two and gets his first ever overall win. But the the snapshot of that race and maybe the snapshot of the entire 1990s, yeah is the moment where he catches the veteran Eric Kehoe um, at the end of the moto and is going to pass him, and Kehoe puts on the last <laughs> lap of his life and launched the, the, the finish line, and it was one of those just... Now, did you, know, you, did you see this? Were you there? I was standing, I was standing maybe... Thirty feet away from Paul Buckley. Oh, okay. Paul Buckley shot the. So iconic you were on the ball. other side of the because it was from. The, I was standing on the side of the tabletop because yep. I was taking notes for Cycle News. Right. Okay. And and I, that's where I was taking photos and watching from. I was not over where that happened with Kehoe. And, and Can you imagine uh, was, how high you must have been if you were over on that side, the mechanic side. You were. Just I, like, I, oh. I've, I've talked to people about it, and my, <laughs> one of my favorite. And, and the, the photo first ran in Inside Motocross, and. Um, they asked me to write something about it, and so I asked Kehoe what he was thinking about, <laughs> what was going through his mind when he was, like, literally 40 feet above. Yeah. Like, like think of how high 40 feet is. Think about yeah. someone trying to do a... Uh, On the flat you know, ground. On the flat step ground. Up. Right. Yeah, step up in the X Games. And, and now you're going to launch out into this <laughs> washboard straightaway. And uh, he said, honestly... I was just looking for a place to land. <laughs> he was just trying to figure out if he, what he was going to land on and mm-hmm. how he was going to have to jump off the bike. And um, and that was his first race, his first national race for Honda of Troy. And, uh, and kind of kind of a cool deal. And it someone, really, I think someone told me that he actually downsided a whoop. Like it wasn't. He, as, he had to. If he if, yeah. if he had a front side of the whoop, right. uh, we'd be talking about a different thing that <laughs> happened in Gainesville in yeah. 1993. No, uh, yeah, someone um, said, yeah, he got lucky and he downsided a whoop. It wasn't as terrible as you would think uh, yeah. landing from that flat ground. And then and then I, I also remember going and covering the, um, I covered the, I want to say 97 but I think it might have been 96 or even 95. And uh, it was the first time I saw James Stewart on a Kawasaki. He'd, he'd won Loretta Lenz mm-hmm. twice or, or been at the front of the pack twice on a Y-Zinger. Uh, and then he got beat by that Cobra. And that was 94, Bud Bamone, when he showed up on the Cobra. And Stewart just didn't have a chance. But um, he's riding a KX. 60 mm-hmm. and 95 at the Minios, and I'm standing there looking at this this little kid in gear that's too big, and I didn't even you know you wouldn't think what color is he yeah uh, you know I just thought I, it's like that's like looking at a little Ricky Carmichael mm-hmm. you know his number is 259 Ricky was 167 and and, and I did I didn't even see him move yet yeah yeah 
he's got all the tight fox gear on, but it's really big. And uh, he just and and his dad was there, and and um, man, they dropped that starting gate. Yeah. And I was like, well, there goes the future. Right. But 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 you know, at that point, we didn't even know that Ricky was the future. I just no. Well, at that point, Robbie Raynard was the future. Yeah, like I said, in '97, the mood in the pits was he he got lucky. It's some track. Don't worry, Lampson's going to work this kid. Don't worry. Um, that really was what people said. And then I think uh, somebody I knew or somebody from Florida is like, this actually isn't his home track. He doesn't ride here very much. Like yeah, this, it, this wasn't it, like it, a you know. A home I think Lammy won a single national after that, I th- and it was not till 2000 at yeah. Hangtown. Um, speaking of Stewart, so that year 99, I'm working for Ferry at Chaparral. And um, Jerry Campbell was uh, uh, a mechanic there, and he was supposed to go and help Ryan Morris, who was, you know, Brooks was helping him out. He was a chaparral kid. And Jerry didn't want to go. This is ba- this is how it was back in 99, pre-9-11. Jerry doesn't want to go to the mini-O, so Brooks says, Mathis, you go and work for this Ryan Morris kid. They give me Jerry's ID, <laughs> and I check in as Jerry Campbell. Like, no problems. Like, I fly as Jerry Campbell with his ID. This is how it was. I think Jerry even had a mustache in the photo. And <laughs> and nobody cared. So then I, I go to Minio's, and uh, Morris is working out of Jim Hale's Bradshaw Axo truck. Um, they give it to him. He's an, he's an Axo kid. And Morris loses two motos all week. One to Steve Mertens, um, who he gets a bad start and works up and almost catches Mertens at the end. The other moto he loses is to Stewart, who's riding a big wheel, 105, against Morris on his 125. And Stewart beats him after a great battle. And I remember thinking, this kid, uh, yeah, he's on a 105 on a big wheel, and he's jumping the elevator, and we're all in trouble whenever this kid turns pro. <laughs> so I remember James and his family used to come to um – uh, the Team Green Spring Nationals um, up at High Point, and also Ricky, for for that matter. In mm-hmm. fact, there, there's a great Tom Vitti photo of Ricky battling with well, Nick Way. Yeah, didn't a lot of Team Green kids get sent there? Right? Yeah, they yeah. did. That, they, right. This is this is before sort of the proliferation of these big amateur events that 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 we now have with you know, everything in Texas and Florida yeah, yeah. and California and. So on and so forth, but like amateur day was a good thing to go do, uh, to ride you know Friday and Saturday, and then watch the pros on Sunday, and um, yeah, I, I just remember exactly what you said, seeing James Stewart on a big wheel eighty and thinking, oh my god, <laughs> right, yeah. right, but but uh, not, I, I know we're getting sidetracked away from you know Gatorback, Gain, yeah. Gainesville yeah. and Gatorback, but I I also kind of remember that day, and and it was there was a I told you so moment. But it wasn't me. I, a couple years earlier, I was on the infield at Loretta Lens. Scott Taylor was there, and we were watching Ricky in his last race on a silver painted, oh, a lam- yeah, sure, laminated, right, right. you know, Pro big circuit. wheel Kawasaki. Yeah. And um, I, I told Scott, Mike, it's probably the best best mini bike rider I've ever seen. But uh, how's he going to do on a big bike? Because uh-huh. he was really short and chubby. And Scott Taylor looked at me and said, he'll break every record there ever was. He'll be the best <laughs> motocross rider ever lived. And I was like, You're like whatever. <laughs> and he said, mark my words. And I love telling that story because I did mark his words. Yeah. I literally put it in the racing paper. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was right. And, yeah. and I will always remember 
Scott Taylor for having this amazing ability to pick out. First it was Tim Ferry, then it was uh, Ricky, then it was James Stewart, then it was um, Davey Millsaps. All mm-hmm. those kids came up through riding for whatever companies Scott worked yeah. for. And it, at first it was Seminole Honda, then it was AXO, then it was Fox and Oakley. And, um, you know, a, a lot of it had to do with the fact that there were just so many good kids coming up. But Scott Taylor was the, the star finder. Uh, before we wrap this up, uh, lots of talk about the, the Gatorback and coming back for the USGP. A couple more questions for you, Davey. One is, okay, so... We've seen the attendance at the Glen Helen GP. Yeah, Charlotte wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Um, a lot of the monster guys go, of course. We know they sponsor the GPs. Um, I think, I don't have any proof on this, I think the attendance at Gatorback by the U.S.-based teams and riders will be better than it was at Glen Helen because of the being on the East Coast and everything else for the reasons that you state. The guys are already there. But what role do you play or does MX Sports play in trying to get everyone there? I mean, how do you go about this? What do you do? I mean, do you just say, hey, please, and if not, we understand? What's the? How do you do well, this? Well, you, you know, any, any race, the entry is not a subpoena. It's yeah. an invite. Right. <laughs> it's an invite. And, and we're going to invite uh, and hope that, that, that a lot of the top guys will take us up on this. Um, because we already did them one favor. We told Ustream that we would be involved if there was just one mm-hmm. USGP. Uh, last year, uh, because of two GPs and the talk of four GPs and mm-hmm. everything, people were really genuinely nervous. And then you had athletes like Eli Tomac and Cooper Webb uh, and Jason Anderson that had to make really big choices. Uh, Eli has a program. He wanted to race the Monster Cup. He wanted to be ready for that, but he also wanted to live his life a little bit. And here he was going to have to be obligated to do two Monster Energy MXGPs of the U.S., then the Motocross of Nations, then the Monster Cup, Mm -hmm. then start getting ready for 2017. And he and his father made what I believe was a wise decision. They they said, okay, we're going to do these two races and and get the season over with cooper webb decided to do one race uh and and that was because it was in charlotte um and then cooper jumped up on a 450 and and skipped the glenahan race uh jason anderson didn't do either even though he was supposed to be there and all the rockstar husqvarna guys it just you never know what's going to happen adam cincerilla bless his heart he had to go he got hurt in charlotte um, it's a risk you always take. Well, what we are trying to do, and we talked about this with Ustream, and we talked about this with all six OEMs uh, and, and the team managers here in the U.S., we want it to be as easy as possible after the last national. We want it to immediately happen. It's going to be, what, 10, 12-hour drive for the trucks from mm-hmm from Indiana to Gainesville, and they were committed to going anyway yeah. because they have reciprocity with the European teams. Yeah. You know, when, when Roger DeCosta takes Team USA over to the Motocross of Nations, he, he doesn't take the Red Bull KTM rig. He doesn't take HRC Honda. Uh, he works out of rigs that he is loaned by the OEMs over there. So there's an obligation for those guys when those teams come here. They were not liking going to Charlotte and then driving all the way to California and then flying back to Europe. And mm-hmm. it was, 
it was taxing on everyone. But it was also important for Ustream to have one good U.S. round. They just couldn't quite yeah. find the sweet spot for it. And we never worked with them because we, we didn't see eye to eye on some things, and we'd been sort of pitted against each other back in the the sale of AMA Pro Racing, mm-hmm. and, and that was unfortunate. And there were times when, when, you know, for no reason at all, a debate would be raging and getting personal over who has the better tracks, and it'd be led by <laughs> MX Jeff over there and, you know, FTE over here or you or The Rock over there or <laughs> whatever. And it was just kind of adding... You know, it, it, you always think your side is better, whether you're a fan, mm-hmm. a rider, a promoter, whatever. And, and and because of that mentality and because, you know, quite honestly, we were beginning to fight for the same riders. Uh, you know, a lot of guys wanted to come to America, but all of a sudden then Brian Villapoto wants to go to Europe and maybe Barsha wants to go to Europe or whatever. It, mm-hmm. it, it causes tensions to rise. and And we thought, you know what? If we work together and limit this to one round, which is what all the teams want, and, and yeah. put it in a spot where it's convenient and good and also where it will help keep the AMA-based guys sharp for the motocross of nations, and that's very important to someone like Roger DeCoster, Mitch Payton, uh, the guys at Yamaha, you know, whoever, uh, that's a race they could do. It, it's not too over the top. It helps Monster and Fox Racing and Parts Unlimited, who are all sponsors of the World Championship Series, and 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 it helps, you know, it helps Ustream. Yeah. The AMA wanted it to happen because their role in the FIM had become strained over various, you know, battles. Whether it was who really is in charge of Supercross, FIM or AMA, yeah. uh, who really throw through the Black flag, you know, whoever did whatever, <laughs> right. you know, it was always sort of strain. And 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 finally, from an MX Sports standpoint, um, everyone forgets that we did a GP back in the eighties. Yeah, and and we would just have our hands full right now. Yeah, you picked bail but, up in the airport in the in your yeah, sister's the, car. And, and I've I've <laughs> gone to more GPs probably than just about any working journalist in the U.S. right now. Yep, I I, tr- I truly yeah, believe that. I would, I would say so. Sure, yeah, absolutely. and. and um, but, but the thing is, you know, we never got a chance to, to, to work together. We never got involved with the motocross of nations. Uh, we, we just didn't see eye to eye on things. And after the demise of the, the Glen Helen GP in Charlotte last year, and then, you know, the, them deciding not to move forward with the motocross of nations, Giuseppe called. And to his credit, was like, you know what, let's end this and start over. And here's what we could do together. Mm-hmm. And I really thought about it and talked to a lot of people and, including the guy who got the conversation started, who was Roger DeCoster, and we decided, you know what? We could do this. We we could we could we could find a way to work together mm-hmm. and, and bring the designations back. And that was that was the other thing. Roger was not happy. Uh, it's tough to get guys to go to the motocross of nations. I know. We, I hate we see that, that year after it, year. I but get it'd it. Be nice if the motocross of nations were here before five years. Well, yeah, exactly. Help and, us out with the costs a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, or I, anything. People hate when I say this, like my European listeners and and, and Twitter followers. But I don't care. I've been to every Disney nations uh, in since whatever since Butts Creek. The USA team is the number one stars of the race. They everyone is there to see them, and so 
They're selling tickets. They're helping out. They're putting people at your race. They're giving your race all the credibility you need. A USA, therefore, needs to be rewarded and save some costs every four or five years. It has to happen, and I'm glad it is. Yeah, well, you know, for the fans listening in England, um, the British team gets as much travel money is the American team. Yeah, no, exactly. And the race is in Matterly Basin this year. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it just, it's, it's, it, it, it's not really fair. But I would, I would argue that for the Australians, too. And I would argue that for, you know... Canadians? Um, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I think I donated $500. I think you to, did. I uh, think you did. <laughs> is name Kristen Lloyd? Courtney. Courtney, Courtney Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I didn't forget about you, Courtney. I am supporting Team Canada as well as Team USA. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so Roger wanted to see the designations back. Roger is a five-time FIM 500cc World Motocross champion. Loved the idea of having one successful race back. And, and everyone knew that it was going to be a struggle at Glen Helen not because Glen Helen isn't a fantastic track, but it's just it's hard to draw a crowd at Glen Helen because you go there so many times. Yeah, and, and 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 I'm glad that the national is is the most successful event they have. But you know, every week it's it's something different, and I don't think that that there was a lot of enthusiasm. No, that there should have been, whether it was from fans or from riders. And then the Charlotte thing was just too expensive. So why don't we try something totally different? And that became Gatorback. And that's what we're going to try. Uh, and um, okay. I, I hope uh, you know we'll, we'll talk about it all summer long, which is something we haven't really done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to ensure its success. And uh, I really hope that some of the teams that have given us commitments already uh, will be there. But if a guy like Adam Cincerilla, uh who got bit last year riding the GP, says, you know, I really don't want to do it, mm-hmm. Then by God, come out and help us announce. Come out, come out. Here's a flag. Enjoy, enjoy the event in your backyard. And, right. And and uh, but but you know a guy who doesn't want to do a race, I certainly understand. Uh, it, it's our hope that this will become such a cool race that um, everyone will want to do it, and we'll get back to the Carlsbad days, mm-hmm. the Unadilla days, or yeah. the the Valvoline Mid Ohio 125 GP sure. days. But, um, but what I what I don't want to do is get back to. Um, it not having a chance to to be successful because the riders decide against it before it even gets scheduled. To wrap this up here, Fly Racing uh, Racer X podcast with, with uh, Davey Coombs. Uh, this press release dropped this week. We'd heard about it for a little while. We had Pingree on the Pulp Show a couple weeks ago, and this is all we wanted to talk about. Um, the 125 FMF 125 Dream Race. We did it <laughs> last. This is yeah. He's ridiculous. He st- I, I started heavy breathing into the phone. Yeah, we, but yeah. you know, you know. So I, I, let me let me let me let me begin by defending myself. Okay. I have why long, what happened? What, what? I have long been a proponent of 125 CC racing. We just couldn't make it fit into yeah. a pro motocross national championship class because the teams already have the two classes they want to race 250. 450. That's it. People are like, well, you're killing two-strokes. No, we have all kinds of two-stroke classes in GNCC, at Loretta Lens, locally. Uh, but, but we don't have a lot of time at the Nationals. That's why we didn't have the WMX. It's hard yeah. to have two motos and two practices and all these things for, you know, for a third class. 
whenever the kid at Washougal, Joey Lawrence, came up with this idea of a dream race, and, and James Hansen, you know, from Rockstar got involved, and Ryan McCormick and every, or, or not Ryan McCormick, sorry, Ryan Huffman. Yep. Um, you're thinking you're mixing up it, the Pacific Northwest legends. Yeah, but it was it was a different thing. It was a fun race. Yeah. And it was going to be like, hey, we're going to have four laps, and then one moto during intermission, it would be a blast. Yeah. And it was a blast, and everyone loved it. And and, and it's like. Wait a minute. So why don't we do one of these at other places where, we, where it fits the TV schedule? Where we're going to have a little extra time. And and at first, it was going to be Glen Helen, Hangtown mm-hmm. in Washougal, the three West Coast yeah. races. But but Washougal, or I'm sorry, Glen Helen found themselves with a little problem. And it was certainly understandable. They had already been advertising their MTA two-stroke national and how the top ten riders would automatically get to ride the support class at the Glen Helen National. Okay. And Sean Collier and those guys were going to ride 450s. <laughs> I'm sorry, KX500. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. You know, I, I think he's on a TM250 now or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, right. Um, this is those guys were all going to ride 250s because 125 gets killed on the hills at Glen Helen in a, in a straight-up race. So we asked David Claybaugh at Thunder Valley if he would like to get involved, and he immediately jumped at the opportunity. But the real cool thing was that, you know, having seen the success of it at Washougal, uh, Donnie Umler and the guys at FMF were immediately like, hey, we'll, 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 we'll help organize this. And then Joey uh, said, hey, let me help with the other two races. And, mm-hmm. and pretty soon we've got this, this little yeah. thing growing, and hopefully it will keep growing. And, and, and my hope and everyone's hope is that someone someday gets serious about bringing 125cc motorcycles back. I believe that we need that stepping stone. I've long believed that it's really scary for a kid to go from a an 80 to a yeah. 250f, um, and, and I believe that that, that you know, however it happened, whatever it happened, I would love to see all the OEMs back involved in that. But I don't get to tell them what bikes to make, nor does Todd and Dave at Supercross, nor does Giuseppe at, at the FI or at Ustream or anyone at the AMA or the FIM. But yeah, what we well, can do is the best we can to give guys who do prefer 125s a place to race where they fit in. They fit in fine at Loretta Lynn's. They fit in fine at GNCC. They fit in fine at all the big amateur races. Where they don't always fit in well is Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. But but these three events, we think that if we had a four-lap race, we can get it done within a half hour. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun, and people will be entertained. And yeah, I think people. Just, I think Washuga was great. People loved it. Yeah. Yep, it was it was great. So, um, and it was really mixed. It was had like we had a. Uh, uh, one of the you know real some real hot amateur kids race it and yeah, then, right, uh, then um, Tedesco and what was Ping his name? Clark Ryan yeah or, uh, uh, I don't know who it was Brown wasn't a Brown brother from yeah, yeah, his yeah. name was Brown and he was number nine ten or something like that but I I wasn't there I was yeah. riding my one twenty five at the Red Lens <laughs> and and then oh that's right you did the helmet cam and then we had like Pinger and Tedesco come out and Hanny come out like it was a real mix which made it cool. It made the whole event pretty neat. So uh, three well, races. I, so I, and I hope we get more of that. And I hope I hope you know we even uh, David Clayball called yesterday and had a couple guys that are racing the national that wanted to ride the one twenty five race too. And we can't allow that. But what we decided was, I and mean, we don't want to ruin a guy's chance to have yeah. fun. What we decided is, if you try to qualify for the national and don't. Oh, okay. You, you can you can't ride. ride the 125 race at halftime. Oh, yeah. uh, but but you if you do qualify, you don't get to ride. Yeah, classes. which makes sense, right?
Yeah. Um, but, but I called Ping and I called Ivan and told both of them about it before it came out. And Ivan was like immediately like, I will begin lining things up. I'm <laughs> exactly. very excited. This sounds like fun. Right. And it is. It, I mean, imagine how cool it would be to have Jeff Emig out there on a Husqvarna 125 just yeah. having a ball. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, that's it, great. And people get to see him and, you know, the, the expectations aren't to win or lose. And he's not going to, you know. It, and it you're limited. Like a, and it's a little safer because of the bike. You know what I mean? You're not, you don't have to jump. You're not going to be hucking to no. fly 150. No. Uh, if, if you are, then you're James Stewart on a <laughs> Hey, maybe we can get him out. He's not doing anything. <laughs> you know. Do you, do you, if James Stewart came out on a 125 at any race in the world, yeah. I would buy a ticket and I would be there. I know. He's still, I know that, that there was Gaston Rae back in the day and the bomber and, yeah. you know, Hurling's never got to ride a 125 and Roxon maybe did one GP did one, on yeah. one and whatever. Dude, no one came close. Not even Ricky. Came close to as fast as James Stewart was, 2003, late summer on that 125. Yeah, and that's uh, when he invented the scrub. Yep, no, I agree. I'm telling you, that's that's going to be your next long form <laughs> well, extended oral history, he, he, 2003. He he's not picking the phone up, but one day, hopefully, he does, and uh, and I will be there to uh, to talk to him about it for sure. Um, all right, Davey. Well, hey, I asked you for 30. You gave me 56. So uh, thank you for for this. Hey, and, anytime and, uh, and enjoy it. And, and uh, I am I am really excited. Not only about the the FIM Dream Race series, but I'm excited about this this GP. I'm, I'm happy that the fans in Florida and down in Georgia are going to get uh, a race close to the home, and we're going to do the best we can to make it like Carlsbad 1980. Yeah, it and, should uh, be cool. Yeah, it, 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 it'll, it'll take some work and some luck, and uh, but if we keep having GPs like they had Sunday in Italy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be there yeah. because they're they're not going to want to miss that show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, right on, uh, Davey Coombs. Thanks for the time on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, 
I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled the pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go by.